Hello, and welcome to episode 139 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth. He'll buy next time. Alessandro Elsie. Say hello, Al. I see we're playing prison rules, huh? <laughs> On this week's episode, Perpetual Delays, House of the Dragon, and Rick Grimes, along with other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, one of my favorites, The Cable Guy. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We're drinking Newberg Brewing Company and Friends, Zeus Boss India Pale Ale. This Zeus Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a collaboration with the Zeus Brewing Company, a company that I'm not actually familiar with. This was the April, well, sorry, they had two April releases. The Boss IPA collaboration series, which I mentioned several, several episodes ago. The 2020 collaboration schedule, uh, January was with Alewife, February was with Captain Lawrence, March was with the brewery at the Culinary Institute, which I believe you have that one as well. Yeah, we do. CIA I had that one in my other hand (laughs) (laughs) when I picked this beer. I don't recall if I, I don't think I bought Relic Boss, did I? I don't know. Um, This April was Rushing Duck and Zeus. I don't think I got the Rushing Duck one as well. May is Funk Brewing. June is DeChico. They always do one with DeChico. Uh, July is Sloop Brewing, which me and Anthony were just talking before we got on the show, that that is canning this week. Um, Of course, it was right after I got a delivery from Newburgh, so I'm going to have to pick that up later this week. That one is the this year's iteration of the Juice Boss. (sighs) Can you, uh, when, when you pick that up, just if you could, if you can get me something extra there, that, that be, I just already know that I'm on board. I can get you your own four pack. Did you? you oh saw, yes. You, you saw the picture I sent to the group the other day, right? The DDH uh, juice yes. boss, or not juice yeah. boss? Uh, the DDH juice bomb that I have. That was delicious. Mm. Uh, nice. August is industrial arts. September they're doing two ones with Plan B, which is a farm around here. They supply honey for a beer. Um, and also Bond Place, Bond Plus. I don't know what that is. October is Peakskill and Nebco. November is Finback Brewery. And December is, of course, as always, Angry Egbert. Mm. Uh, mm. So this one is, what do we have to say here? A Tella IPA with our Poughkeepsie buddies. I suppose that means it's one brewed via phone? <laughs> <laughs> <Is it> telepathy? <laughs> um, it's 7% alcohol by volume. It's one pint. That's... Uh, that's all I have to say on that, I guess. That's all the can has to say to me. Now, I've noticed on this can that the Newberg logo is a heart with a beer glass. <laughs> I was just going to keep doing this because I was going to say, I, was like, I had this conversation a couple weeks ago when I gave you the glass. I couldn't. I was trying to hold a straight face, but when I saw the when I saw your head turn the way that it turned. <laughs> yeah, because it was going oh, the man. thing of, uh, well, it's not fair because... I had told you moments before we started recording <laughs> that everything in my memory is totally jumbled outside of work. Like, I remember like, way too vividly in detail some of the things I have to do for work. Like, I have, I'm spinning way too many plates for work, and somehow I keep it all together in a way that's has become a fascination among some of my coworkers and, and some of my bosses. And, you know, I don't remember anything else because I told Anthony right before we started, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I ordered a delivery from Newberry, including empanadas and two beers. And I paused and I was like, oh, I don't remember what beers I ordered. I just knew <laughs> there was two new ones. So I was looking. One of them was Litmus Test, which is like a recurring series they do. It's different every time. So this one is Mojito Madness. Mm. And then there was Cold Brew 
brown ale, which is made with it's their brown with cold brew coffee involved. Nice. Um, nice. But I do remember when we did the episode a few weeks ago where you debuted the <laughs> Newberg glass I got you for your birthday, that it had the logo with the heart, the brewed with heart like moniker on it, and it's got one half of the heart is a frothy glass of beer. And right. you were surprised by that that time. Sincerely, it seemed, despite the fact that that logo has been around for a right. couple of years now. Just never really paid attention to it. Uh, what I am digging is this robot in the toga with a lightning bolt. <laughs> it's pretty great. Also, I don't know what's going on in the middle of that nut that is his body, but there's a hop in there. <laughs> yeah, it's like some sort of like insignia or logo on his chest that clearly has a heart in it. Also, I love that his like crown of whatever, like feathers, that his, is, his that eyebrows is, is, are there his eyebrows. Yeah. That's yeah. A hundred percent. I like that. They've, they've, they've kind of commandeered the boss logo, that robot that they have in all of their gigaboss, megaboss, teraboss, nanoboss uh-huh. series and made him into Zeus. He's, he looks just friendly as can be great. Toga. Yeah. Lightning yeah. He's got very Johnny Five. Yeah, vibes. yeah, yeah. Right? Um, he's got the <laughs> Johnny Five alive. <laughs> he's got the Parthenon in the background. There's fluffy clouds under his feet. It's a pretty great right. version of the Boss logo. Oh man, I'm ready for this one. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that smells delightful. Hmm. Whoa. What's going on there? I have no idea. It's. I'm not intending to bury the lead. I'm going like. One and, one and a fuckle on this, but it's very good. I just don't know what I'm tasting. Yeah, it's it tastes like something familiar, but I can't quite place it. It's very good. It's as, as smooth as an IPA as you can so smooth. possibly hope for. <laughs> mm. Oh my, it's, I mean, it's delicious, but I, I, I want to know what I'm tasting. Right? It's, it's funny, because usually they have a lot more description on the beer, but I'm realizing... Uh, that uh, a lot of times with the collaboration series, they don't have as much description on it, which is kind of mm-hmm. a disappointment. And this is one that comes with one of those recyclable plastic caps for the four pack, so it doesn't even have like the box where they oh, can right. expound on that. What is going on there? It's it's so fresh, it's really good, right? Yeah, yes. Like the first, well, I'll be honest with you. At first, my hand was close to the top of the glass, and it smelled so fresh, and I thought it was like I. I was I had washed my hands with this like really nice soap before we started, and I was like, "Oh, that I know that's delightful." And then I realized that it's not my hands that I'm smelling, and I was like, "Oh, that's delightful." It smells like a glorious spring day, like like a beautiful yeah. like sixty five degree and sunny April day. That's what this smells what like. What the frig is going on in here? <laughs> that's <laughs> I can't I can't breathe it in anymore. Uh, it's I'm never I'm never finding out. That's all. That's all I've got. This is delicious. If you this can get your hands really on it, you can't. I, I was saying, if you get your hands on this, you can't, right? Uh, but. I mean, they might still have some kicking around. I don't know. Mm. I can check. It's uh, don't don't sleep on this if you can. This you might be cannot. This might be I'm worth sure <laughs> upgrading from one of. <laughs> this might be worth <laughs> upgrading from one and a thuckle to two thumbs. This is a really good beer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sticking. I'm sticking with one. You know what it is? I think I might be able to give it the two if I can actually figure out what the hell's going on inside. But I can't. <laughs> uh, it's it's delightful though. I really, I really, I, I mean, it, it's it comes as no surprise. Everything we have from them is delicious. Yes. Um. It's like 
I think part of it is it's like piney, right? Like I'm getting very like tree, like oh. in spring vibes, but there's a lot of IPAs that have like piney hops and this is slightly different than that. Well, like, fr- like a little lumber yard action. Yeah. Cause like a lot of times, hmm. well, but it's not as resinous as a lot of those like right. can be like, it's very clean. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is really interesting. I will say, um, this is a dangerous seven. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it feels like a um, like a session. Like I feel like the way that it drinks. <laughs> yeah, you would never suspect that this is a particular. <laughs> beer, so. Oh god, it's a full fourteen. <laughs> oh my god, I'm checking on it's the off. website right now. Yeah, uh, it's brewing Newberg Brewing. Or is it Brewing Delivers? I think is the site. Okay. Brewing, no, sorry, Newberg Brewing Delivers is the website that they do to deliver. You have to be within a 25-mile radius of Newberg uh, Brewing. So if you are, check their map that they will deliver to your house. If not, they have a couple of particular packs that you can order through them, and they will ship it through the mail or UPS, I forget. Hmm. Uh, but that's not like, it's not like a la carte. You have to order their specific like packages to do it. It's gotcha. anywhere in New York State. Um, but I was just scrolling to see if they still had this one listed. They don't, so they. I, I, I ha- I've I've got the uh, I've got the description for you here. So, Boss Teller collab with Zeus Brewing, seven percent New England IPA with cashmere and citra in the whirlpool and dry hopped with Nelson, German, Amarillo, and Mosaic. That's super a lot soft, of super soft mouthfeel with bright ripe notes of mango and berries. Oh, you know, there was a fruity aspect to it, but I couldn't tell. I couldn't pick out any one specific fruit. So mm. I was just looking on the site, though. So they have this, this. is this is awesome. I'm sorry. This was awesome. <laughs> All right. I'm up Two, two. It is. See, I feel like <laughs> you get them both. You get them both now. <laughs> I feel like it's re- it's a requisite to thumbs. Oh, here. man. So I'm looking. They have the Juice Boss NEIPA. It's the third annual collaboration with Sloop. But they also oh, have man. under that a limited edition tank top to commemorate the third annual. It's a juice boss tank top. Um, <laughs> that's what it looks like. Oh my God. Oh my God. I, uh, I need that in my life. Uh, and I'll never wear a tank top, but that <laughs> I need that one. What, what size are you? I, uh, large probably. Okay. Well you're about to get one. So, Oh boy. <laughs> well, you just said you need it. Not want. You said you need it in your life. I do need so it. I do need I'm it. ordering you a large, you know what? I might have to order two. Ah! <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna have to put some work in so that I could wear one of those. <laughs> I could not tell you the last time I like I wear an, like a undershirt, like tank top type thing. Like I usually went to the gym. Mm-hmm. I'll wear it under my shirt for work every day. Yeah. But I haven't worn an actual, honest to god, tank top in easily a decade. Yeah, um, I would go longer than that. I'm pretty sure I was like I don't know eight. <laughs> that's probably the last time it's probably like that's like a nice bright art like bright orangey and green colors i kind of vaguely remember what it looks like well this <laughs> was one's the yellow. last time i this wore this one's yellow so uh wait so you think large or extra large <laughs> oh definitely it's gonna be large or medium at this point okay so we'll go large well hopefully i fit what? in a large because it doesn't seem like well you know what? no this is this is dumb we should order a large we should order extra large separately <laughs> I was just hoping they'd give me options to do. This is great. This is the first time we've ever done shopping on the show. On the air, yeah. I'm going to put that in the bookmarks. 
30 minutes shopping. Well, so good. This gives me an excuse to make another order then because I'm ordering a couple of cases of those fucking uh, juice bosses. Amazing. Well. well, this this delightful beer is getting two thumbs. Um, but it's time to get in some news and nuggets. And I know since you're since you're shopping right now, I'm going to take us off. Because yes, I have a story. Vamp. I have a story to tell you. Please, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, I found a new doctor. I haven't I haven't had like a primary care physician in a long time because I haven't liked the ones that I've gone to. Oh boy, don't get me started on doctors. I have a primary care doctor. I have not seen him in I want to say three years. Nice. I want. Nice. Uh, oh, so you haven't gotten far enough into Archer? Make a reference. I'm 99. Yeah, it's the first episode of season five, which I talked about a few weeks ago. The first episode of Archer Vice, where mm-hmm. they get busted and ISIS is no longer allowed to be a spy agency. And there's a montage in which all of them are rolling over on each other because the FBI is turning the screws on them. And they're listing all of the crimes that they may or may not have committed. And you'll, so it's like, Across like a bunch of scenes, you'll hear Cyril say desecration of a corpse, you know, <laughs> and someone else say something, whatever. Cyril comes back, desecration of another corpse, you know. <laughs> and, so, uh, and one of them says, I think it's Pan goes, I want to say Burt Reynolds. And there's like something, 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 something. And then Carol slash Cheryl slash Charlene goes, I want to see Burt Reynolds, uh, <laughs> which there was a very memorable episode with yeah. Burt Reynolds voicing himself in the mm-hmm. show. Um, but please tell me about your primary care. Doctor. So, so, uh, so I found this new one came recommended. I went, she was awesome. So we'll start off there. Uh, best doctor that I've been to in a long time, but it was funny. Cause like when you go to a new doctor and you have to fill out all that paperwork and it's like all of these questions, it's like with, questions that I just don't have answers to like family history stuff that like, maybe I should know some of it, but not all of these questions. <laughs> some of them are ridiculous. Uh, anyway, a couple of them are, it's like, it always comes like, there's always the questions of like, do you smoke? Do you drink? Uh, do you do drugs? All that jazz. Uh, so like under drinking, I was like, yes. And then it's like amount. And I was like, I don't know a few a week. <laughs> right and then so what at they do least is once a week <laughs> every Wednesday right, right 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 exactly so it got you know you get in there and she's going over the responses that you put and so she could like get a little bit more clarity if she needs some more answers and uh so we get to the drinking one she's like so drinking she's like she's kind of socially i was like yeah like a couple of drinks uh a few drinks a week and she goes okay she's like um She's like, that, that seems like you're well within the threshold. Uh, she goes, we uh, we really don't flag it unless it's more than two a day. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, I guess I could drink more, is what you're telling me. I guess I'm not going to go to your doctor. <laughs> but I was, uh, I, I, thought that, I thought that was pretty high. I think, like, thinking about that, two a day plus yeah, I don't actually have two. Uh, 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 lately, lately, Sorry, lately. more more than she was saying that she wouldn't like bat an eye at two a day. Oh, okay, well, especially right now. Well, oh wait, so I didn't mention it on our show. Did you get a chance to listen to my appearance on the shortcast last week? Not yet. No, it's no, totally fine. It's just I remembered that I mentioned something on that show. Uh, just you know how I occasionally bring random news and nuggets to it, sure. not even like full blown discussion topics, right? Just like. Yeah. Here's the thing. 
He's so, usually good for a five piece. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the one I heard last week that I brought up on their show was that during the pandemic, there was some study that was done over the course of, I think it was an 11 week span. And the total came out, and I'm, I'm probably botching the math slightly uh, on the total amount of hours, but they were saying the total amount of hours over like this 11-week span was, I think, 172 or 176 or something like that hours the average adult was drunk in that span. It came out oh to God. basically the average adult was drunk for like two and a half hours a day <laughs> during this I love, week span of the it is It is fun to break down... To break it down that way, right? Because it's really what it comes down to is a few people that are really fucking up the curve. But <laughs> well, but like the thing is, it's different because, right? Because you and me have worked through this. You 100% from home, as you've been doing pre-pandemic. Me 100% in public, varying from like 10 hours a day to as many as 14 hours a day out at work. So I literally don't have the time to be drunk that much. You literally don't have time to right. be drunk that much. Um, I mean, I guess maybe you could, you have slightly more availability to it than I do just by <laughs> the token of being in your home the whole time. Sure. But sure. I know you're not drunk during But, you know, hours. etiquette and all that. <laughs> well, sure. But I meant even if you work a long Business day. Business ethics. What I meant was even if you work a long day for you, right? You're in yeah. your home the whole time. You have no commute, no nothing. You know what I mean? Like, right. So, like, so close down the computer, you could technically grab a drink. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you could be you. signing off for the day and your beer cooler is with a beer. feet away. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you could be doing that and drinking right then from, let's say, five. Those beers are for five. the show. I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you could be drinking from six to ten o'clock and you have no mm. commute. You have nothing to worry about. Like, you That's fair. Technically be drunk for four hours. Some night, not every night. Probably. Sure. There are right. a lot of people who've been out of work. And there has been, of course, a lot of people who are either bored, depressed, self-medicating, sure. whatever. Some of it's happy drunk. Some of it's sad drunk. So when you think about it, oh, let's say you're not working. Now, maybe you're not drinking every day. But there's probably some days where you're like, well, fuck it. I'm not doing anything. Might as well have a few drinks. Like, I'm not trying to get fucked up. But if I do, oh, well, I got nothing to do tomorrow. And I don't say that flippantly at all. Like, I totally sympathize with like that yeah. mentality of well i've got nothing else going on it's not like i can even like because think about when the pandemic started like early march in our country you're not going out to like the park you're not having like a good day out in like open air or anything at that point like you're just sitting in your house maybe alone maybe with one or two or three family members mm-hmm. Like I understand it, I, I don't, I don't judge that at all. It's just there, stark when you see the math, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, uh, I, I, I don't know. I forgive me, I can't uh, cite him because I don't remember his name or what the videos are. But I'm sure if you like generally searched some phrase, you could find him. But there's this dude that's been doing these videos uh, where he's turning. Uh, Disney songs, like into quarantine songs, in a really great way. And I have uh, seen some things like that, so I may have seen the same video. One of them that I really enjoyed was uh, him turning "Do you want to build a snowman?" into "Do you want to start drinking?" And it's like <laughs> it's all about how it's like it's like eleven thirty. Uh, he's got a bottle of wine. His wife's in the bedroom, and he's talking to her through the door. And it turns into them just like having had enough of each other. And it's really it's really funny. <laughs> That's great. But 
You gotta right. those those quarantine Disney songs are are solid. That just reminded me. I saw <laughs> I saw earlier. I meant to send it to you too. I don't know if it was a new video or a, a slightly older one that they just like replayed for like good times. But Funnier Die did a video like mocking the casting process of like movies, and it's Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell, and it's Dak's casting for Chips uh-huh. for a character for an actress to play his wife in the movie. And it's Kristen who's like auditioning and she's like, I do I really and like he's doing it very formally as if they've never met before. <laughs> and nice. she's like, Do we really need to do this? Like you you tell me you wrote the part for me. Like <laughs> <laughs> He goes, If you could just uh slate your name um <laughs> That's the, so good. The camera and she's like, uh, but but that's for that's for people who you don't know. Like that's for for actresses who are like, like for the record, like you obviously know who I am. Like you, you, you told me you wrote the part for me, honey. Like, yeah, she's <laughs> like, honey, like <laughs> that's pretty great. That's awesome. Uh, did you see chips? Did we do chips? We did not do chips. I've never okay. seen chips. Okay. I've it's, heard, pretty, it's pretty good. We should do it. It's, it's fun. That's one of those movies where there's a bunch of people who really liked the movie, but it feels like the prevailing consensus was that it was very bad. Oh, no way. Definitely not. It was reviewed very poorly. Sure, but I mean, I, I don't know. There's a there's a certain type of movie that I don't expect to review well. The movie is super, it's like, it's very entertaining. Well, it's, it's, I, it for sure reviewed poorly by critics, but I, even amongst my huh. recollection of audience, like, impressions, it was very mixed. Like, a bunch no, of we like, should we, we, we should watch it, because it's, it's fun. It's a fun movie. I was actually intrigued by it when it was coming out and i have i did not watch the show i have no connection to the original show it, neither yeah neither do i i would say i would suggest watching the movie and then uh going and listening to it's an early episode of armchair expert where he has michael pena on and mm. it's 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 good it's really funny to have like hear them talk about it I, i've been knocking through a bunch of them off and on over the last few weeks i listened to julia louis dreyfus today i listened nice. to jeff garland the other day oh yeah that was a good one those are both like across like a couple of weeks like sometime about a year ago i guess it was the summer of last year the garland mm-hmm. one was really really good yep the the louis dreyfus one was 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 good uh, i'm a big fan of hers as well i have yeah she's one. awesome i have another one from like i feel like there's like for whatever reason it seems like he clusters a bunch of people i'm interested in because i told you there was like yeah i think it was from like september of last year or something like that there was like literally four weeks in a row where like, i was yeah like, you were just like super hooked. interested in like the who they're talking i have another one that's queued up for some time when I, I whenever I don't have stuff that's like coming out live, I like fill in. With yeah, it. you have a you have like a backlog. That's yeah, good. So I um I, I don't remember if, who it is, but I have another one that's like up that I'm excited for from them. If you want, if you want to listen to another one, uh, uh, I also listened to Life Is Short with Justin Long, which I think is really funny, mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, he recently had. And I don't understand why in the past like four weeks this man has come up like I don't know daily. But he had Tom Green on, and it was and it was great. It well, was such a good least, interview. I can think of at least one reason why he's come up recently. Well, the, you you giving me the beer with his face on it was the first <laughs> time it came up like in a long time. And then all of a sudden, it's like somebody told me their favorite movie was Freddy Got Fingered. And then like I I saw him like in some clip that I was watching, and then like he was on. I think it was like two different interview podcasts. I was like, what is like? It's like you know you know when you hear a word that you're like that's not a word. And then all of a sudden you hear it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's funny. Someone just sent me something the other day 
uh, there's actually a name for that, and it's the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, when you hear a word that you've never heard of before, and then all of a sudden it keeps popping up over and over. Yeah. It's not that it wasn't there, it's just that you never retained it because it never, it was, it was your brain is processing a billion things all the time that you just like, I don't need this shit. <laughs> Until one day you have to, you need the definition. Which par- paradoxically, <laughs> just having heard of that term the other day and then having it come up in conversation is <laughs> like its own thing. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Tell me about Rick Grimes. <laughs> oh, sure. That was a professional transition. I love that. Um, <laughs> the Walking Dead creator gives update on the Rick Grimes movie. This is on IGN for Matt Fowler. Uh, Robert Kirkman says the pandemic has given them time to get the script right. At this weekend's virtual... <laughs> oh, oh, hang on. All right. <laughs> At this week... Well, you know what? Fair enough that Robert Kirkman said it and not like Greg Nicotero or something. Sure. At this weekend's virtual Skybound Expo panel, uh, Skybound past, present, and future, uh, Skybound co-founder and Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman gave fans an update on the Rick Grimes sequel movie, which will follow Andrew Lincoln's character Rick following his Mm -hmm. departure from the TV series in Season 9. In The Walking Dead Season 10, star Denai Guerrera left the series in an episode where her character, Michonne, discovered that Rick might still be alive. Guerrera is expected to join Lincoln in the spinoff movie. There's tons of stuff going on behind the scenes, Kirkman said. I don't want anyone to think that we're just kind of waiting around for this pandemic to end. I would say that, if anything, the pandemic is going to make a lot of movies better. I think the Rick Grimes movie chief among them, just because we're getting a lot more time to cook this thing and make sure it's perfect. But mm. when things do quiet down, you guys are going to hear a ton more about this movie. That's cool. And, and that's gonna, that's going to air on AMC, right? Yeah, if I recall correctly, I thought they were planning an AMC air alongside a theatrical release or maybe a limited theatrical release, but I could oh, be Oh, I hope so. I could be wrong, but uh, it is going to air on AMC for sure. Oh, man. Point. I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying for the movies, Al. Dying. <laughs> really? That's surprising. I heard you talking shit about it the other day when I was listening to an episode of Game Bites. I don't remember which one, but you mentioned... Oh, when you were talking The Last of Us. Um, uh, what about it? Uh, just how good it was? <laughs> no, just the opposite, in fact. <laughs> no, the, no, The Walking Dead, not. Oh, about The Walking Dead? Oh, yeah. no, 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 sorry. I'm not interested in uh, that. I'm not dying for The Walking Dead movie. I'm dying for the movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Let's you clear can, this up real quick. No, there. The Walking Dead is a nightmare at this point. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the gist of what you're... Yeah, I didn't watch most of the <laughs> most recent season or half season. It's mm. actually a little sad. Um, I don't often leave shows. I often stick them through. I Really, yeah. there's only... A, you can probably count on one hand the amount of shows I watched more than a season of that I didn't see through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not usually a completionist, but often I find some excuse to be connected to the material. Sure. But at this point, with how long it's been, um, even... You're done. I haven't watched the last season or so of Fear of the Walking Dead, and that show had actually gotten to be substantially better than The Walking Dead at the point Mm. in which I left it off at, but eventually it just got to be too much. With the amount of things I watch, I just didn't have reasons to come back to yeah i i dropped i dropped fear i wasn't super into it and then i was like i 
it was it because it felt more of the same to me at the time and i was just like i'm already having issues with the walking dead and i just feel like it's just sunk cost at this point that's why i continue to watch it uh but i was not willing to put in the time for fear the walking dead yeah that was it for me and it got to the point where it was really close where i was like man i just don't care what's going on and then it Mm. pivoted and i was like oh wow this actually is really (laughs) oh hello (laughs) which is why like if anything i'm more inclined to go back and watch more of that than Mm -hmm. the walking dead at this point i'd be more inclined to go back and restart the walking dead and just like stop after the second season (laughs) just rewatch the first two or three seasons enjoy the ride and just move on. So basically just sign off after Red Kill Shane. No, no, no. I liked the second season, too. That was in the second season. Was it the second one? Yeah, it was like the second to last or the final episode of the second season. The first season's only oh, like six Oh, that's right. Episodes. The first season of the CDC. That's right. That's right. Uh, then maybe I like the first three seasons. You know who I miss? I think it all went downhill once Herschel was gone. Yes. There's been a lot of people... <laughs> well, Two things. Um, it's Dale going, he was the moral compass of the show to that point. Right. Uh, when he dies, and that's towards the end of the second season. Um, might have even been like the second or third to last episode of the second season. Um, that There was kind of psychic trauma on the show after that. And then once Herschel goes at the end of, was it the third or fourth season? Um, yeah. At that point, they really went kind of fully off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 wild. I have to I will say um I fell off on the comics and I really want to go back and finish them. I'm not I don't have I don't have much. Uh, oh, yeah, didn't Dominic like, spoil the end of the comics for you on the one of the he, episodes he was on? Uh oh yeah, he likes your brother likes to spoil things and pretend it's no big deal. <laughs> like he he does it he also like does it on purpose. Well, so here's here's I think what happened. In that case in particular, but this this is a recurring theme with him. What'll happen is he gets caught up in the excitement and the emotion of the thing that he wants to talk about. And then right. he spoils something for you. Mm-hmm. And then he defensively he feels bad, and instead of apologizing, he like doubles down. Yeah, it makes it worse. That's something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's not malicious. Sure. It is it's 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 not malicious uh yes uh it's the one time is forgivable (laughs) two times is borderline but we're we're on like three four five like it's yeah (laughs) well yeah so i mean getting to the point where i'm gonna watch something specifically that i'm not interested in and i'm just gonna call your brother (laughs) 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 take that peanut gallery well, anyway, to finish this uh, story... He'll never see it coming because he doesn't listen. No. Burn! Uh, the, Walking <laughs> the Walking Dead season 10 finale never aired due to the pandemic interrupting the post-production work. We needed to complete the episode, so fans have been left stranded on the precipice of a brutal war with Beta and his horde of walkers for months. Whoa, 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 whoa. That wasn't the end? The way that it ended? No. It was very Walking Dead ending. I'm well, would, I'm surprised. I, would, I wouldn't know. So <laughs> where also, it ended, and you go, all right. <laughs> also delayed due to COVID nineteen is the Walking Dead colon World Beyond, the franchise's second official spinoff, which was oh my god on April twelfth. They just like they beat the horse. They're eating parts of it. 
You know, like it's just bad. <laughs> just stop, stop. Well, I wish cats have would, nine lives, Al. Rather One. than spending so many resources Two. on creating a diminishing return situation with all these additional shows, I'd rather they refocus their efforts and resources on making these shows as good as they were. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like rather than continuing to dilute, why not refine? Sure, sure. You know what? Uh, I also, I still have a whole, there's just still a whole bad taste in my mouth associated. Not like, it's not really related to the show so much, but like the whole like really enjoying Talking Dead and then being really frustrated yeah. and like, and and needing to move off from that. Like I was like, that that really soured part of the experience. I haven't watched The Talking Dead since all of that happened. Oh, same, same. What's his name? I was, I was shocked that he returned yeah it's uh and amc hasn't gotten any shit for that really that i've seen which is very strange to me right because yeah i feel like that's exactly i mean sure what's her name it was chloe something i think was her name she didn't press any charges or whatever she specifically said she didn't want to she wasn't going to use any official names even though everyone knew exactly who she was talking about Mm -hmm. it was like not even remotely unsubstantiated. There was a litany of people who came out who know the both of them who were like, oh yeah, no, that's what happened. Which is like, it's it's really funny. It, not funny. It's really frustrating because like it is, it, honestly, it's just like with everything, like, no, like you should, you should remove yourself from the situation. Like get, you, they should have, they should have taken him off. They should have moved on from that. Also, they had a vet Nicole Brown fill in a couple times and she was awesome. And she's a super fan and watching the episodes with her was so much fun. And, and then when he came back, I was like, oh, yeah. And then, and then I stopped watching. <laughs> and now it's just like, oh, nothing happened. Yeah. Like, because yeah. there's nothing about that anymore. I mean, maybe if he was still hosting at midnight, it would be maybe a thing. Know. That show ended right before that all came out, and it ended. That was so strange. Not because of that; it just ended as a natural progression. It's a shame because I actually, even though I never actually watched the show like consistently, I was a big fan of it when I did choose to watch it. Mm-hmm. It was a funny fucking show, right? Um, and I even feel weird about that sort of thing. And I know get into the debates of separating the art from the artist and all that but um, sure i still feel like i need to take a shower yeah it's just uh, Ugh. anyway let's move on from the walking dead that's enough of that um my last note on the walking dead was simply that it came up twice between the mention of dale and shows that didn't end because the post-production work couldn't finish because of covid oh it just reminded me of the actor uh who played dale who i'm totally blanking on his name right now um, and he is on Billions. He's one of the best parts of Billions all the time. He's been a guest host or guest uh, star on the show since the beginning. I don't know why he's not considered a series regular because he's been on the show a lot. He plays Jeffrey Demun. Yes, him. Jeffrey Demun plays Paul Giamatti's father on the show. Whoa, um, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's Chuck Rhodes Senior, and he's such a bastard on the show <laughs> but he's so funny he's like our bastard he's a lovable one because mm-hmm. he has a lot of great lines even though he's a total douchebag and he gets into the situation where he could be exposed to some legal ramifications he's a billionaire um he's an old school old money guy mm-hmm. and he runs into it with the guy who's playing 
was he, he's not a district attorney. He was like um, one of the top like federal like prosecutors. And um, I can't even think of like what role he is, but it's um, Clancy Brown, who's you know his voice. You know his he's been in a billion things, and as a voice actor, as a live action actor, right. he was the, the not the warden, but he was the head of the guards in Shawshank. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got that very gravelly voice that you'd recognize kind of anywhere. And he, he's threatening him. He's threatening Jeffrey DeMunn. Um, and he says, do you know what prison smells like? And Jeffrey DeMunn goes, is it dick? I feel like it's dick. <laughs> <laughs> Glancy Brown starts cracking up. I don't know if he broke character or if it was in the script or whatever. Like, Or if he broke and they're like, no, this is better. And he goes... I do imagine you detect a whiff of that. <laughs> oh my god. It's one of the best lines of the whole show. Or I think he said, is it dick? I'm betting it's dick. I think that <laughs> that's great. That's what he said. That's sad. It's one of the best lines. It's one of the best line deliveries in the show. It's just an incredible moment. <laughs> that's so silly. <laughs> um I felt like that was a better note to end on than the sound. Oh yeah, no, I I, I appreciate I appreciate the transition. Uh, let's talk about something else that's horrifying to me, and that is this uh, concept that Tenant might not be coming out. Yeah, <laughs> so I got a note on that. Um, this was on Variety. Christopher Nolan, Tenant delays August release, which is a thing that we all knew was going to happen. Sure. We've always known it was going to happen. Well, like, just Brothers, go next Go next July at this point. Do the yeah. same date you wanted to do, just next year. For sure. Warner Brothers has removed Tenet from its release calendar, delivering a big blow on the exhibition industry at a time when movie theaters had hoped to peg their reopening to the late summer debut of Christopher Nolan's sci-fi thriller. Though necessary given the mass uncertainty over when cinemas across the globe can safely reopen, the decision further complicates Hollywood's already bluffy plan to revive moviegoing. Tenet was originally scheduled to debut on July 17th, but it was pushed back to July 31st and then August 12th. Unclear when it will now welcome audiences, but the studio expects to announce a new release date, quote, imminently. We'll share a new 2020 release date imminently for Tenet, Christopher Nolan's wholly original and mind-blowing feature, said Warner Brothers chairman Toby Emmerich in a statement. Our goals throughout this process have been to ensure the highest odds of success for our films, while also being ready to support our theater partners with new content as soon as they could safely reopen. In what would be a surprise move, Warner Brothers may release Tenet, overseas before it opens in the United States. The North America remains the biggest movie-going market in the world. International cinemas look to be ahead of the state in their efforts to reopen. Sources at the studio stress they will have to be flexible with plans to unveil Tenet, suggesting the film won't have a traditional rollout. Interesting. We're not treating Tenet like a traditional global day-and-date release, and our upcoming marketing distribution plans will reflect that, Emmerich said. Tenet, which stars John David Washington and Robert Pattinson, is intentionally shrouded in secrecy, and a staggered rollout could raise concerns about piracy and spoilers in a way that could impact demand to see the film. However, it could be welcome news for exhibitors in Europe and Asia to robust film markets that haven't had a new Hollywood release to entice audiences in months. And their blueprints to reopen movie theater owners ex- recently expressed concern to Variety that the global box office is all but been, quote, forgotten by the U.S. studios. Previous films from Nolan have earned more than 50% of box office revenues from theaters overseas. Major nice. poles can generate as much as two-thirds of ticket sales from international v- venues. But Tenet faces a unique caveat in China, 
the world's second largest movie market. Currently, its exhibitors cannot screen movies that exceed two hours in length. Tenet runs at just over two hours and 30 minutes. Unless the country Mm. eases up on that restriction, there's no sense of when it'll be able to play in China. Interesting. Warner Brothers also announced Monday that The Conjuring 3 had been postponed to June 4th, 2021. The eighth Mm -hmm. entry in the studio's horror franchise was scheduled to debut in theaters on September 11th, which is super weird. That's my own personal editorial note there. (laughs) However, the quote, The Conjuring, colon, The Devil Made Me Do It, was supposed to to have additional (laughs) shoots in April. Since film production hasn't been able to resume, it wouldn't be ready in time for its target release date. <laughs> I'm just going to keep reading through Anthony uh, choking and dying. <laughs> That's why conjuring, I could, are we done yet? That's why I couldn't <laughs> stop reading it. I needed to get that title in there. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I will say... Uh, like no, go ahead. Like open. If if other countries are able to safely open theaters and have it play, they deserve it as a reward. <laughs> well, we it's don't. funny. I've seen a lot of that sort of mentality. Um, I've seen it a lot around sports. People who commentate on or involved with sports saying sports is an indication of a healthy, well-run com- country. We're not that mm-hmm. right now. Right. Um. And that's not a statement of any way, shape, or form of politics. It's a statement of we are literally not a healthy country at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that everything around the health of the nation is being run right now is not up to par. And that's at both the federal and state level and municipality level. So we don't get the rewards. We don't get the goodies, the treats of, oh... Well, we're going to go see movies now. No. Uh, I honestly, I am so jonesing for sports right now. I don't understand how they're going to run sports. Uh, I appreciate that they all, for so far, football is still hemming and hawing on this, are doing it without fans. That at least gives it a chance mm-hmm. to work. It also gives it a chance to not kill everyone in the country. Sure. Because uh, you're not going to have 50,000 people sitting together every night. I just don't understand how they can do any of these things. It's not going to be safe. I went to dinner at a restaurant the other day. Mm-hmm. I was sitting outdoors. If it was indoors, I would not have gone. Sure. It was yeah, sitting outdoors. I, uh... It was sitting outdoors on a street in Long Beach in Long Island. And it was outdoor. The tables were like 10 feet apart. The server was wearing a mask. If mm-hmm. it was not like those exact circumstances, I would have not been anywhere near that. Yeah, man. Even that, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I like when things, when things inevitably do open again. Even then, uh, it's going to take me a minute. Yeah, I mean, we were out. I went out with a couple of my friends to the beach on Saturday. It was a gorgeous, perfect day. Mm-hmm. 90, like ninety degree, not a cloud in the the sky. Water was like seventy five degrees. It was fucking perfect. We nice. found a spot on the beach. We got there early. No, we were not near anyone else. Even over the course of the day, when it got quite crowded there, no one was anywhere near us. So mm-hmm. we felt comfortable. Um, it wasn't, we weren't on like boardwalks and stuff like that. We weren't going into any of the places there. We left, we went to dinner at this restaurant and they were like, Hey, no more than five customers are allowed in the restaurant. They had four tables that could fit up to four people at each sitting like 10 feet apart on the, sh- mm-hmm. like the sidewalk in front of the restaurant. So me and my two friends were sitting at one of those tables outside. 
nowhere near anyone else. And the server was wearing a mask. And it's like, you know what? This isn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. if it was anything else, then, like they were like, oh, you know, while you're waiting for the table outside, would you rather sit inside? And we were like, no, we would not. Yeah, there's a there's like a lot of um, a lot of places that have like repurposed the parking lot over here to be like a, like tents and tables outside. I've seen and one or two places. They're too. Like they that. they are, but it might as well be inside the way. Like they are very close. Yeah, I just don't. I don't really get it. Uh, but either way, I'm not. I'm not participating. Yeah. So no, uh, I felt comfortable because if I had reached out from my table with my arm outstretched, and the person at that table had reached out with their arm, outstretched, you still wouldn't be able. Yeah. It would still have been a couple of feet between our hands. So that's cool. It, it yeah, and it was, like I said, it was out in open air. That's the other thing with like those tents. I mean, yeah, I get it's open air, but still, like, if you ever set, if you ever set, if you ever set under, yeah, exactly. If you ever sat underneath a tent outdoors in like the heat, you yeah. realize how it gets really hot under the tent because the hot air up top doesn't go anywhere. I do. So, like, it's still kind of the same thing. This was totally, totally open air. And people were respectful walking up and down the sidewalks. They were not walking moving, like, right moving behind away. our backs. That's they were walking cool. out towards the edge of the street. No one was ever right over my shoulder. Nice. That's cool. That's good. I, uh, yeah. I, let's, I, I, there's enough, there's enough talk about this stuff. Like, let's, let's, let's keep it light and move out of here. Uh, sure. House, what's, what's up with the House of the Dragon? <laughs> <laughs> well, I sorry. Before I go to the House of Dragon, there was one other note I had. Okay, uh, too super short. Um, I read something the other day, and if anyone is interested in reading it, uh, I can link it or I can send it to you or whatever. There was something they wrote in the Ringer about how I sent you guys that little screenshot of that one blurb from the beginning of that article, but it was basically about how everything might change with Tenet and what they choose to do with releasing it and. Even with they were pitching a model similar to old school movie releases, like way back when there was essentially like a traveling show of when a movie would release somewhere and it would release mm-hmm. in small format in like say New York, and then a couple of weeks later in Chicago, and then a couple yeah. of weeks later. Hey man, that's how I saw Jay and Silent Bob rebooted, right? Like so, like that sort of thing. Like there could be an appetite for that sort of thing. I just found it to be curious. It was an look. event. There was beer. There was popcorn. There was a Q and A. It was awesome. It was a whole Ex- evening. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, sure. this is going to be a whole evening just as a movie. But it's <laughs> well. Anyway, I found that interesting. It's on the Ringer. It was like yesterday. You'll be able to see it. It was like the, what the, the future of movie going could be changed entirely by Tenet or something like that. So if you're curious and reading it, it's there for you to find. Cool. Uh, House of the Dragon. HBO begins casting for Game of Thrones prequel. It's unknown what characters the series will focus on at this point. HBO has begun the casting process for its Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. It was ordered straight to series by HBO last October. The word on the series has been quiet since then. Much like the rest of the TV industry, this series likely saw its production scheduling reshaped in light of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. The casting has now commenced, according to Entertainment Weekly. House of the Dragon. It's a prequel set in the universe of HBO's Game of Thrones series, based on George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood book. Both the book and the HBO series are based on Martin's Game of Thrones book series. That's a really redundant sentence. Yep. The, the Game of Thrones TV show ended last year, and House of the Dragon will, will be the first venture back into Westeros since that controversial finale. Wait, can I, can I clarify a question? Because I know you read, you read the books. Isn't 
isn't game isn't the game of thrones or a game of thrones one of the one of the books yes so the series is called a song of ice and fire right a game of thrones is the first book in the series okay so it's not based on the a game of thrones series (laughs) yeah um what, is that what it said? And that's what it sounded like you said. I was just curious. Oh, just that, like, yeah, I feel like a lot of time there's a talk about there's like there's so much reporting on this type of stuff that it's like it's not worded properly a lot of the times. And not that it yeah. really matters that much, but it, like I don't know if if you know enough about the details, it seems like it does. And I feel like I only I'm only like tangentially related to some of this information, and <laughs> and I know that I don't know. No, it just bothers back, me sometimes. I went back and looked, and yeah, it is worded that way it's it's kind of ambu- ambiguous the way the sentence is worded but mm-hmm. it, yeah no it's not correct it should be a song of ice and fire if you're talking about the book series fire and blood is a book about the history of the house of targaryen and it's set 300 years before game of thrones it covers over 100 years of targaryen history and sees many a leader rise to fame and fall from grace within it ew reports its sources say that the famous dance of dragons a civil war between targaryens will be a part of the show at some point it's possible the series could center around aegon's conquest a destructive war that saw house targaryen usher in the reign of house targaryen Mm -hmm. um something frequently referenced in game of thrones ryan condal best known for writing the tv series colony and 2018's rampage will serve as the showrunner alongside Miguel Sapochnik, who directed some episodes of Game of Thrones. He will direct the pilot and an unspecified number of episodes afterward. HBO has ordered 10 episodes for the series. It's expected to premiere in 2022. Oh, what's a one-season show? Well, it's been ordered for one season. They uh, renewed it for any additional seasons yet, obviously, because they haven't even casted the show yet. Man, I really... I have a little bit of a thirst for this this one season, this limited series like situation. Like I, I we've talked about this on the show numerous times. I'm movie guy over TV guy. You seem to be maybe you maybe you lean a little bit more towards TV. That it's like it's like fifty five forty five TV. We can we can really I feel like we could both really enjoy a single season series. Well, I forget now because it's been so long. You never did you ever finish? Did you ever watch all of Watchmen? No, I didn't. You started it though, right? I did. Yeah, it was just at a weird time where I was like watching a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, that's not the type of show you should start and then leave off. Um, but that if that's the poster child for that sort of mm-hmm. approach. Well, uh, well, I will say that it's the, maybe because I will say also that like I wasn't necessarily. I thought it was good. I it, I wasn't super captivated. Like yeah, something like really like Deus, uh, I didn't think that it was super captivating. Uh, something like Deus was, I mean, I couldn't wait for the next episode. Well, it's funny because those two shows took almost an entirely different approach where Deus starts out with a fucking bang and it's just balls to the walls insanity for the first four episodes and the final four episodes is more spreading its wings and figuring out and ruminating on what's going on. Watchmen took the first four episodes to really establish what's going on and build the world and all of that and create a lot of depth and character development. And then everything goes nuts in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll probably I'll probably go back to it. I do think that it maybe maybe it, it spends a little too for me. Maybe it spends a little too much time 
in that space because it's like there's there's a fine line for me between uh like good development and spoon feeding it's it's hard because it's built on a very established world and a very established property and it's creating an extension of it and so it's hard you're not wrong but i gave them a little leeway for it because it's hard to create something that you want to be accessible to a wide audience of people while also servicing saying true who are that's 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 fair that's that's a that's a fair assessment. I will because say sometimes, that, that sometimes I wonder like what these people could have done with a maybe just something original entirely. Um, that handholding does not happen before. after a certain point in the show. The second okay. half of the show is there is no handholding at all. It's just we're all doing right. this. Okay, I don't think I've got there. So maybe that's maybe that's maybe that'll help me. But I'll, I'll probably I'll probably go back to it. Unfortunately. I'd probably start over. I it's it's been it's, too no, long. No, you sh- you should because yeah. like, it's been what like six months, eight months, or whatever. Yeah. So, oh yeah. God, I don't even know. Yeah, it's. I'd probably have to. I'd probably do like a maybe. I would maybe I would set it to like an episode a week. Hmm. I mean, that's how it aired. So yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's not. It's probably honestly not a great binge candidate. It's the type of thing where, like. Maybe you watched one episode a night or every other night, or like you said, once yeah. a week or something like that. I, I think that I watched, there was one day, actually, the last time that I watched it, I think I watched two episodes in a row. And yeah, I, I, don't I, I was just that. tired. I was just like, not, I just like, I, and then I just didn't, I, what, I didn't have the draw to go back. But it's uh, super heavy too. So, like, it's nice yeah, to, it, be able it to is. walk away. Mm hmm. No, that's it's fair. So maybe, I'll, maybe I'll schedule it out. <laughs> it's so fucking good, though. It's just, even if you don't love it as much as me or Gary did, like, cause I know we talked about it with Gary when he was on. Yeah. Time. Um, anyone who has an appreciation for what's going on in the world right now, anyone who has an appreciation for really well-made television and performances and all that should be able to appreciate this, whether or not they love the total sum of its parts, the way that mm-hmm. it else is. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good, that's a good way of phrasing it too. I would, I definitely, I, mechanically, I thought it was working out really well. I did like, they were doing some really, it was, it was well done. The performances so far were really, I was, I was super captivated with, um, uh, the, 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 uh, her name just was in my head and it, it Regina Hall. Yeah, dude, powerhouse, (laughs) right? Like great character. I've been, I'm a little torn now because I think. Next week is when they're going to finally announce the Emmy nominations, but she's going to go directly up against Ray Perlman, who we have been fucking banging the table for for years now to win uh, Best Actress uh, for a TV show as Kim Wexler in Better Call Saul. Yeah. It's such a tough call where like, if she wins it, it's like, okay, fine, I'll allow it. But people need to recognize how good she's been for years now sure. as Kim. Sure. Yeah, great. Oh my god, that the the finale of of Better Call Saul, man, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even gonna say what you did because it, it was a. It's it's you have to see it in the show. You do. If you haven't seen it by now, haunting, haunting. Oh god, yes. Oh man. Oh, I want to rewatch that. <laughs> you know, I have to say that's probably one of my proudest moments on the show, even though it caught me totally unaware. You. Giving me the props for that call so far in advance. I was like, that's got to be the best thing I've done on the show. <laughs> the whole time we've been doing this. 
Um, cool. So, are you excited at all about this House of Dragons? House of the Dragon? House? Of, what is it? House of the Dragon. Yeah. Uh, House, so House of Dragons. Once I see <laughs> different show. <laughs> once I see who they fully casted, and once I see a trailer for it, like I have enough time to create the distance from Game of Thrones. Mm. Like it'll have been like roughly three years since the show aired. Yeah. I wonder if they can recapture the zeitgeist at that point. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it, That'll be interesting. For such a long-running show to try something new like that so many years later, I mean, I guess it worked for Better Call Saul with Breaking Bad. Like oh, well, be th- a- there's, with Game of Thrones, there was that weird thing of like, there is a, there is a hidden population that was really attached to the series. And then there is probably a population that's twice the size of that, that pretended they were. And then me who just came into the show and enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't, I don't like pretended that doesn't feel fair, but there was, mm, there's, there were there, definitely I, I came across more people that pretended that they were super into the books and stuff. And like, and like, well, like went way back with this, with this story. I, don't I, know, I guess that, that wasn't my experience with, for the most part. My experience was there was a lot of people who loved the show, even though they didn't always have a great handle on the lore. They just liked it for what it was. The mm-hmm. way that you would be a fan of, like, I don't know, Family Guy or South Park or any other long-running show that you don't necessarily sure. have to have a concept of the world in its nitty-gritty minutia. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I didn't run into anyone who like acted like they read the books and didn't. Mm-hmm. So I felt like for the most part, my experience with other viewers was pretty authentic, but I mean, I I'm, I'm not surprised. There was definitely people who acted like they were super big fans and they're like, Oh, who is that again? And it's like, well, they're, they've been like a lead for, like years. <laughs> but like right. they never acted like they were a super, super fan in the sense of like knowing all the little bits and like theorizing and all that sort of stuff. Sure. You know? It was just people sure. who were like, yeah, I like to turn in and watch every week, you know? Yeah. The, uh, man, I mean, I'd probably be more excited about it if the first didn't go the way of The Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> well, I think the fact that this has a totally separate set of, like, showrunners and it all could, that. It could, that could definitely help. Uh, also, wonder- just tighten, that, tighten it up. If you, if you only have a storyline that lasts this long, it lasts this long, that's it. You know, newsroom style. Maybe I'll be maybe I'll be bummed that there's only a couple episodes in the third season. But if you're done, you're done. <laughs> well, you know, like they couldn't do that with Game of Thrones, right? Like because there was all that source material. Like they had what towards the end. Well, sure, but I mean, they did kind of roughly outline, very roughly outline where it was going. Right. Like they just at the point that the books ended the show was nowhere near over. Like if we thought it felt like it was too rushed and not done with enough detail to end the story when it did, could you imagine doing it like a season or two after the books ended? Wait, I say, say that again. I don't think I followed. Like a lot of the complaints about this was, Oh, like it felt rushed at the end. We didn't get all the detail we were expecting. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't clean. The storylines didn't always make a lot of sense. If they had tried to, shorten that and tighten that it would have felt even more rushed why shorten and tighten it 
Well, isn't that what you just said? Is when you have the end of a story, like end it? No, 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 no. That's not what I meant at all. I like I I was th- I just don't want them to stretch out. I don't want them to Walking Dead a thing with like the, oh, with okay. this new series. I thought, with I thought no, with like- my issue with the other with with Game of Thrones is like I I mean I understand like there's there are monetary implications, but they were not ready to do the rest of it. Yeah, sorry. The way you phrase it, I thought you were no, no. criticizing them running the show as long. as I was like, but they oh no 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 no, no 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 not at all. I honestly would have preferred a long break and a return, which they did do for a year. Like there was a year without game. Yeah, games. no, that's 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 true. And I, but I also know that like there is at the end of the day, it's a business, right? Like they can't lose the entire audience. Like and but it's it still sucked because like it it just it it was not where it should have ended. Well, looking back, considering it's been a decade since. George R. R. Martin has submitted a manuscript for publication for a novel of which he has at least technically two more to publish. Mm-hmm. I guess if he was, if, if I knew now what I knew then, or sorry, if I knew then what I know now, that's what I meant to say. Um, I'd rather just askew the whole charade around writing the books and just have him stay fully. Okay. I'm never going to finish the books. Let me just sure. help finish the show as best possible, and have and have like a gifted like uh, person that can that you know there's there's people that can translate from from script to novel like even it might not have the same yeah, feeling as the previous the book but maybe it was time to switch over yeah yes. like just make sure the story ends because the way things are going right now we're gonna have a dissatisfying end to the show and the novel right. So, Right. Do it right in one of the formats, then, because yeah, right. it's it's obvious that the show declined once it outstripped the novels. But that's mm-hmm. an overly simplistic way to look at it, because we're forgetting the fact that at that point is also when Martin no longer was directly hands on involved with the show anymore. Right. He was no longer writing an episode a season. He was no longer being a part of the writing room for the whole mm-hmm. season, and walking them through what they needed to do, what they could cut. His direct involvement is like, and the lack of it is what caused the show to derail, not mm-hmm. the lack of books. They weren't just right. reading the books and extrapolating. He mm-hmm. was physically there to be involved with the show. And he wasn't. Yeah. That's a shame. But what are you going to do? It's over now. Um, we move on to new things. Al, would you like to have some fun and games? Uh, always. Always. Um, I'm not sure if we've, we may have done something similar to this. Um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember. I have a, I have a Jim Carrey quiz. Oh, wow. I have a which Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey character are you quiz. And I feel like we did something similar, but we definitely didn't do this one because I looked through it and I don't remember any of the questions. We did a week or two or three ago what Nic- Nicolas Cage character I am. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was last week. Okay. Was anyway. Whenever well, we did is- face off. Yeah, this is which Jim, Car- Jim Carrey character are you? So, which of these dogs would you like as a pet? Jack Russell Terrier, Dalmatian, English Bulldog, Yellow Labrador Retriever, Beagle, or Italian Greyhound? That is a uh, that is quite a list. I was expecting three or four options, and it ended up being what six? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, could you run those through me again? Sure. I was... Jack Russell Terrier, Dalmatian, English Bulldog, Italian Greyhound, Beagle, Yellow Labrador Retriever. Um, uh, I guess a yellow lab. Why not? Okay. Your crush is flirting with you. What do you do? Oh. Become awkward. Become awkward. Make a joke. Flirt back. Blush. Downplay it. They were flirting. 
Um, make a joke. Okay. Pick a comedian. Zach Galifianakis, Robin Williams, Chris Rock, Bill Murray, Ellen DeGeneres, Chris Farley. Um, let's go with Robin Williams. I watched a pretty great skit with him the other day, actually. Nice. He's talking, he's talking about the Scottish inv- inventing golf. Oh, God. We're going to call it a stroke because that's what you feel like when you do, you're going to yeah. have when you do it. What's your <laughs> motto for relationships? Follow your heart. Opposites detract. Safety first. It's okay to be alone. It's worth the risk. Relationships? <laughs> Let's go with that last one. Oh, well. <laughs> Pick a reality TV show to star in. The Bachelorette, Man vs. Wild, Animal Cops, Big Brother, Married at First Sight, Catfish. Uh, I feel like I would do great on The Bachelorette, but I would make for a terrible season of television. Because <laughs> I would just be like, you two are annoying. Can you go away? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to put you on The Bachelorette then. You get caught in a compromising position. What face do you make? Oh, this is difficult. I'm going to have to show it to you. Oh, boy. It's, it's a bunch of Jim Carrey faces. I imagine it is. Why is it so blurry? Uh, probably because I don't have the steadiest of hands. No, it's not moving that much. Can you zoom it out slightly? Uh, yeah, no, it's you were too close to no, no. I meant to literally pull your yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I can see that much more clearly than. Sorry, what was the actual prompt? Oh, what face do I make when I'm doing what? Uh, you get caught in a compromising position. What face do you make? Some classic Jim Carrey faces in here. Um. Number two, the one with him wearing the blue suit. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. It's a good one. Um, how do you feel about reality TV? Guilty pleasure? Not my thing. Not my thing. All right. Whoa. Okay. You got Ace Ventura from Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I'm uh, glad they. Cla- I'm, I'm glad. They, I'm glad they clarified that. Yeah. Alrighty then. You have an unconventional method to doing your job, but somehow it works. You take pride in speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. Even if it means taking out, even if it means talking out of your ass, it's great. Well, I've never spoken out of my ass, but the rest of it was actually weirdly on the nose. That was good. That was good. All right. With that, let us get into our flick of the week. The Cable Guy, released in 1996, rated PG-13 at an hour and 36 minute runtime. A lonely and mentally disturbed cable guy raised on television just wants a new friend, but his target, a designer, rejects him with bad consequences. Ow. That was your IMDb synopsis, by the way. Ow. This is the first time you saw this movie full through, right? Correct. Okay. Give me your sweet life review. A very strange, funny, ridiculous experience. Maybe it's just watching it for the first time in 2020, but the carry performance of... Hank from Me, Myself, and Irene mashed with Ace Ventura didn't quite work for me. Oh, that's a shame. Would you rev- what did you give it score-wise? Uh, so here's the thing. I, re- I mean, I rate it as a 5.5 out of 10. Uh-huh. Uh, it was interesting and entertaining. It's mm-hmm. not something that I'm like, oh, I'm never going to watch it again. Like, if it was on, I'd throw okay. it on for a bit. Like, there was some entertaining stuff, but good night. <laughs> <laughs> It stays. It stays. As always. Um, yeah, it's just I was a little disappointed. Oh, oh. Uh, this this 
there's two things that work. Well, you, you know, say so if you want, you can go ahead and do your two. Sure. All right. So, well, because we'll, we'll, I, I think I know where you're going to go with this. But uh, for me, this horror flick masquerading around as a comedy is equally thrilling as it is hysterical. 7.5 out of 10. I, the, the Cable Guy is, is I, I love it. I love, I love Jim Carrey doing Jim Carrey things. And he really is, gets to get, like, he, like, lets loose in this movie in a lot of ways. And it's really fun to watch. Um, but I feel like I know where you were well, circling back to what you were saying. I feel like I kind of know where you're going with. I I can't objectively say that it's not because I have the nostalgia draw. Okay. Um, okay. So I thought you were going to say something sl- slightly different. Yeah, I'm sure nostalgia plays a part in it. I like I said, I never saw it before. Now, so mm-hmm. I was talking about it briefly with my cousin Mike the other day. Hey, Mike. Uh, he was asking what Hi, movie we were doing this week, and I said Cable Guy, and he said, Oh. You know, that was from the time when he was still doing characters. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned, like, Ace Ventura, the Riddler, a couple other characters, who's yep. the mask, like, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, so that, I think, and it, it took him saying that for it to finally click and fully crystallize in my mind. And I said to him, same thing I said in the tweet link reviews, this didn't feel like a distinct character to me. While I was mm-hmm. watching it, I was like, oh, I've seen big pieces of this character in Ace Ventura. I've seen big pieces of this character. And that the other half of it was what took me a long time to figure it out. And I think it's Hank from me, myself and Irene. It didn't feel like its own separate character in the way that those other roles did. It felt like this was an amalgamation of some of his greatest hits. That's actually, that's a good point. And I would say that that actually means that it was done right in the context of the movie because he didn't know who he was and his entire character is based on an amalgamation of things that he's watched. Yes and no. Uh, Well, Ace Ventura had already come out, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Me, myself, and Irene hadn't come out at the time that this Mm -hmm. movie came out. So maybe there's something to be said for that. But overall, I just... Well, I guess I wish that he had created something more distinct for the role instead of something. Interesting. Like, it was the only time that I felt like... Like, you his- can separate, you could be like, Ace. You, in your mind, you could be like, Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey, The Mask, Jim Carrey. Like, you could you could pin... Yeah, like, this, obviously would, there are similarities. You don't feel that you could separate this one. Yes, obviously there okay. are similarities between some of his roles, right? But mm-hmm. in general, they feel like different. Like, because uh, like a day or two after I watched this movie, I watched like half an hour of Liar Liar. It's been the first time I've seen the movie. Oh, God. <laughs> Liar Liar is so good. There is none of that character in this character. Like, mm-hmm. that is its own distinct character. It's like the quote unquote most realistic of the characters that he's played. At that sure. time, like in his like quote, yeah, like yeah, his, yeah. His, his wacky days, yeah. So like it was the closest to a real human being that he played, right? And none uh-huh. of that really is in. <laughs> I'm kicking my ass. <laughs> yeah, n- none of that is really realistically in this character, and so like the mask feels like fully realized as what it's intended to be. The Ace, mm-hmm. Ace Ventura character is fully realized in its own way. Though it changes slightly from one to two, in one he feels a little bit more like, honestly, I imagine Ace is on the spectrum, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and two, they kind of soften that a little bit, but still, it's the same character. Hank is a distinctly different character than Charlie. They're two separate characters right. who plays in the same movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's and Liar Liar is in another entirely separate 
character, the cable guy didn't feel like its own character to me. Like Bruce Almighty is another totally. That's that's character. funny because I I also feel like on top of it being like I. I do. I loved the because I love when he's doing an impersonation of something else, right? Because he that's I, it seems like for as far as like a lot of his performances go, they actually come from his love of comedy and like funny things that he's that he's attached himself to, like from from movies and television. So like it, it's almost like a, 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 a mimicking those things in a lot of ways, and like this character kind of gets to let loose in that a bit because that's that's really the entire character is based on a persona of other characters from TV and film. But the one thing that I think is really that I do think is unique to this character is the actual uh, psychopathic behavior that there's a like this movie is dark and like I didn't really dawn on me. I was watching it with Kim. She goes. We're like uh, maybe like I think like thirty or forty minutes into it, and she goes, "Is this a horror movie?" And I was and I was like, "No." And then we started watching a little bit more, and I was like, "Yes." (laughs) Well, so that's the thing is like you mentioned that he's mimicking certain things, and Mm -hmm. I never felt like he was mimicking. And maybe I mean like I haven't watched all the shows he referenced, but sure, never felt like he is mimicking any of those characters. If that's what he had done. If, like, in certain situations or certain segments of the movie, he mirrored some of the characters that he mentioned, mm-hmm. then I think I would have appreciated it a little more. Instead, it felt more like a pastiche of his own work. And I think that's what oh, interesting. is one of the things that's holding me back. The other main pillar sure. of what's holding me back on this is I think it took me until this movie to realize I'm not particularly a fan of Matthew Broderick. Oh, okay. Uh, like... Uh, Ferris Bueller is great. Yep. He's really good in it. Like it's a mm-hmm. classic movie. But outside of that, there's nothing I've really seen him in that I I, I can't really argue with you on that one. I've never I'm not really drawn to him either. Um, except for uh, like 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 you said, I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and also the line in this movie, "Get out of my house." For whatever reason, cracks me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gianna, say hello to the audience. She can't hear me, so you have to relay that message. Gianna, say hello to the audience. Hello, audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you didn't hear her slam the door and stomp down the stairs. <laughs> and then we're professionals. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so, <laughs> so there's a couple of interesting things about this. So, like, it's funny. Like, you know, you. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm probably I, I, I'm I'm a I'm a one of the bigger Jim Carrey fans. I do, I love him and his style i i am absolutely tickled by his performances like whatever they are whether they're serious or not like even when he's doing a even when he's doing a dramatic role and like there's a moment of levity in the role and he does a face or like a just a genuine thing that'll make the other person smile like he cracks me up like he just like i whatever his the frequency is that he's operating on it i find to be hysterical I mean, there's definitely uh, scenes in this where he totally crushes it. Uh, yeah, hundred uh, percent. The scene that I referenced in the intro, <laughs> the basketball scene. Yeah, he's great in that scene. Oh my god! During that scene, I, so actually, I'm gonna let's talk about that for a second. Um, there's a I went through the the uh, like the trivia section on IMDb for this, and I I couldn't really corroborate this one um, because I saw. I actually saw some footage of filming of bloopers, which I actually, if you can get a chance to watch the bloopers from this movie, they're awesome. (laughs) It's like the lines that they can't get through 
aren't even the aren't even what I would think would be the difficult lines to get through, which is what's really funny. But well, I I had heard I've actually heard references in the past. Matthew Broderick. I don't know that it ever reached anything sort of like a Tommy Lee Jones hatred of Jim Carrey, but I don't think this was a totally harmonious production from start to finish. Oh, really? I think that he at times got very frustrated with Jim. I think he got very frustrated with the director. Uh, I've seen quotes in which he talked about... It's funny because now that I think about it, when I was... Uh, I don't know if it was in a podcast I was listening to or something I was reading. I saw a reference to this. and But I don't think I don't even remember them saying it was in The Cable Guy. I just remember seeing like a reference to Matthew, Matthew Broderick complaining about working with Jim Carrier, not being able to get through a scene... And I was like, what movie was Matthew Broderick and Jim Carrey? <laughs> yeah, here, here it is. And it's funny, I, uh, listening to the Judd Apatow, um, I don't remember if it was uh, if it was. Uh, oh, maybe it was that one. It might have been the Apatow. Um, it might have been the Apatow armchair. armchair episode. Because like, I listened to that like a month or so ago. Yeah, but he, he does talk about how uh, the, in that, that <laughs> Matthew Broderick was like, they would have to reshoot, like, you know, they'd have to ta- do a bunch of takes for a scene. And he would, he said he would turn to the director and be like, Ben Stiller, <laughs> there's only so many ways I can react to this. <laughs> yes, that was it. That was exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. But it, from what I understood from that, it didn't actually sound like it was a, like a, a frustrating environment as much as it was like, it's it, like the absurdity of it was almost dumbfounding. Like it was like, it was crazy to have to know, deal with that. I, the way I interpreted that that story was a one of frustration. Oh, interesting. I will say that I ended up when I, like I said, I went through a bunch of bloopers, which was a lot of fun. If you get a chance to, they do seem like they're having a genuinely good time. Granted, I can imagine the, uh, I can imagine some of the improv and like retakes and all that stuff being a little bit frustrating because who knows how long they have to go like with that stuff. But like they are, there are some good captures of them having a genuinely good time. And some of them made it into the movie where if you actually pay attention, uh, Matthew Broderick, uh, Stephen is laughing in a scene that is supposed to be like awkward for him. <laughs> and like, there's a, uh, I mean, the movie came out in 96. There's no such thing as a, as a spoiler territory. It's beyond the statute of limitations. So there's a, the scene of the, the whole, they're in medieval times, the chicken skin on the face. That's a, that's an improv scene where, mid, like, in the middle of it, he goes, hey, can you give me your chicken skin? <laughs> and he gives it to him, and he puts it on his face. And that, like, one of those, that take makes it. And if you look, if you watch it, Matthew Broderick is actually laughing at him. Yes. Even though the response that he gives is more of, like, one of, like, can you stop doing what you're doing? <laughs> Which is really, that's some stuff that cracks me up. I always think of... Um, in Family Guy, when when Quagmire decides to be a cat person, and he gets, I think it's the cat's name is James, and <laughs> he gets too obsessed with the cat, and so mm-hmm. Peter, Cleveland, and Joe decide they're going to deal with the cat, mm-hmm. and Joe and Cleveland have like pranks in mind, like like oh let's shave the cat, you know whatever, yeah. and so Peter breaks out a straight razor and kills. Cat the has cat. nine lives. Yeah, Peter, stop does. doing what you're doing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Is, is Joe? Is Joe like Patrick Warburton? Like totally deadpanning. Peter, stop doing what you're doing. Like <laughs> whenever you hear situations like that in a movie, I just picture the the other person being like like Matthew Broderick being like Jim, Jim, stop, stop. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's 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 funny. So the other, so a couple of fun facts about this movie. So like, 
Uh, I continually forget that Ben Stiller directed this movie. Every time that I go to rewatch it, I remember, like, I'll see his name. I'll be like, oh, right. Like, this is like, this is a thing. Um, there is a fun, fun is probably not the right word. There's a controversial story around the writer credited for this movie and how uh, the writer credited is, is Lou Holtz Jr. Yeah, I saw something about that. There's a there's a whole thing. There was an actual like arbitration with the uh, is it screenwriters guild between like Judd Apatow should be credited as the writer of this movie from the story that I read. I don't know. I obviously well, don't have all so the facts. So that was the same story I read because when I saw Lou Holtz Jr. wrote this, I was like, wait, is that Lou Holtz's son? Lou Holtz, the famous college football coach, coached Notre Dame to a national championship in like 1990 or 91. <laughs> He's he works on ESPN. He's a very old man, and I was like, uh-huh. well. How many Lou Holtzes can there be in the world? Right. Lou Holtz Jr. must be his son, I'm assuming. But it's the only credit he has. Yeah, in it's the yep. it's the one writing credit for this movie. Yeah, and Apatow lost that and is not listed as the writer of the movie. But in the from what Even though I he, think, so he claims that he basically wrote most of what so, you actually saw. And so does Ben Stiller. Yeah, which is which is uh, interesting. Which is what made it interesting. I didn't realize this whole thing about this whole thing existed around. Uh, around the movie but like this dark the dark movie supposedly the dark movie that we got is the apatow script which also from what i understand it was supposed to be even darker and him and stiller actually paired that back a bit oh interesting they oh oh from like his from apatow's like original draft you mean yeah yeah mm, yeah like and they the claim was that the original script was meant to be more of like a buddy comedy like very silly no, not yes. a lot of darkness if any um, and the other thing that I thought was funny, there was a, a couple of places popped up that the character was originally intended for Chris Farley. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, I think. It's funny That's because it. that you say that the thing about this was intended to be like a lighter buddy or cop, like buddy cop type thing. Um, I, I could see this movie even working slightly better if it was more lighter or even more darker. Because right. at times, like you can feel... It's on an awkward line. Yeah, you can feel the straining at the seams where it's like, oh, we were just like super dark like five minutes ago, mm-hmm. and now this is like more slapstick. Hey, man, that's that's fair. That's totally fair. There's a uh, on the the whole like where the movie goes, it ends it ends on a dark like in a dark place. Uh, yeah. I it, it it takes a minute. It does this weird roller coaster effect before it decides to fully ramp <laughs> towards the end there, but uh. Man, on top of that, the inclusion of this like meta story slash universe where Ben Stiller is the sweet both brother. himself and his brother, yeah, like on this murder trial that is sweeping the nation, like it, it, the whole concept is absurd. I actually <laughs> felt myself wanting even a little more of that. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's kind of a funny payoff that at the end you don't know what happens, right? But. Like, I found myself even wanting them to slightly hear more news of it. Like, more of the actual courtroom. Like, just... Oh, yeah. Like, I'd watch that movie, too. Which, actually, what's really funny about that is, during this courtroom drama where there is no verdict, it seems so clear that everyone has decided that he did it. I mean, right? it feels like the... there's almost no evidence to suggest anything other than that he did sure. it. And, sure. And the Lifetime movie... The, yeah, the Eric Roberts movie. The Eric Roberts I rewatched it like four or five times so that I can get the entire like movie man, like 
a voiceover, which was so Eric bad. Roberts is Sam and Stan Sweet in Brother Sweet Brother, the killing <laughs> of Stan Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> which it's uh, because like it like draws from like those nineties like fucking like lifetime movies about that sort of stuff that have still mm-hmm. carried on even today. It, like you're still seeing shit like that in like American Crime Story with the the Kardashian uh, OJ one yep. that they did a few years ago. Like it's almost the same thing. Like there's a little bit more polish, but it's almost the same fucking thing. Yep. Even like trust or the assassination of of um, was it Gianni Versace? Like all the yeah. ones that did on FX. Like like it is more polished, but it's still the same advertisement. It's still the same <laughs> story. Right. Right, it's so weird. This uh, the movie's got got quite the cast of characters uh, as far as main cast goes, and then including like all of the cameos that are just there that like pop in and out. Yeah, there was a lot of them. I mean, I guess I didn't realize like if Andy Dick had anything to do with like Apatow or Stiller or Carrie for that matter. But Jimmy mm-hmm. Garofalo obviously was in Mystery Men. I think the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, was it 97 I think that this movie came out and and, and this is movie's 96 but yeah oh, no, I thought it was 97 um, I think Mr. Man is 97 um, the <laughs> like even something as random as somehow even though Jack Black is barely in this movie Kyle Gass is also yep. in this movie 100% <laughs> Bob and Dave are in this movie <laughs> yeah that totally blew me like the, the way like they weren't even in any of the same scenes together this would have been in the height of mr show but ben stiller was involved with mr show i think so mm-hmm. or odenkirk and cross were involved with the ben stiller show i forget but the they they definitely were involved with him in some way shape or form it was yeah. funny because david cross like barely is in the movie at all but he's in like two scenes it's like oh what a random thing and then like third act bob odenkirk shows up yeah like, come on yeah uh it's, it's real silly uh yeah, it, it's fun. Owen Wilson, uh, just oh, playing such a douchebag in this. Straight up, yeah. You know what's funny? It's like that scene is is completely unnecessary. It's basically a skit. Yeah, and it's but it's really funny. Well, it is it is necessary <laughs> because it ends up showing the the ridiculous links that he'll go to. I guess that I guess that's fair. <laughs> well, because you eventually you see a lot of the ridiculous links he'll go to in the negative, but you'll also sure. see in this case like. He's just as obsessive in the positive, where it's like, right. I screwed up a little bit. Let me go Let me fix it. so far to fix yep. this for him. Yep. So we're, of course, talking about how Jim Carrey uh, dismisses the bathroom attendant with a $20 bill to say, go take a break. With his fake mustache, becomes the bathroom attendant, and then it beats the mustache. living hell out of Owen Wilson. Who is a douchebag in the like movie. spectacularly really uh, really he really does own douchebag in this movie it's pretty great like so much it's like yeah like that that's Oscar worthy douchebaggery I was actually talking <laughs> about the ways in which Jim Carrey beats him up but also <laughs> Owen Wilson is the douchiest he's ever been in any role ever and I think like, yeah he's yeah a Hall of Fame douchebag Def- definitely uh the probably the best part about that fight sequence though or that that beat up sequence I should say. Is how Owen Wilson is at the urinal, decides that, okay, this guy's going to keep talking to me. Goes into the bathroom stall, and Jim Carrey, standing up from behind him, with the clear indication that he went under the bathroom stall. Uh, he clearly <laughs> slithered under the Was just, I, it's just I, I, I could almost see the ridiculous motion that he would have made to do it. 
because like because of how he is. The way that he combines his facial expressions, body movement, like the just vocal contortion. Like it's ridiculous. I, I love mean, the he, recipes he that he puts together. In all forms, right? Like yeah. by his body, by his voice, by yeah. his even his performances. Like there's no bit of him that he can't wrangle into a new position. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Uh, he's he crack he cracks me up. I uh, Oh, uh just circling back real quick to the fact that Kyle Gass is in it also. Uh the that whole concept of the cable going out at the end and him just like reaching over and grabbing a book and being immediately satisfied was so silly. <laughs> it was just such a silly thing. Uh, I, I love that. So Al, let's get into some of our, uh, do you have, do you have uh, like any favorite moments you can point out that actually that Kyle guess one was on my list. I'm going to knock that one out. Uh, my favorite moment of this movie uh, is bittersweet because it's the scene at medieval times. And I just okay. have to wonder what it is that I did to you? Why I'm I'm so deeply disappointed we never got to fight to the death at medieval times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've I've killed Anthony. I've yeah. sl- <laughs> slayed him with the spoken yep. word instead of with a battle axe. Um, oh, you man. lived like a thousand feet from medieval times. It was great. You and I never got to fight to the death at medieval times. It's true. And I'm deeply disappointed by this. It's true. I for. For how close I lived, we didn't go nearly enough. Uh, maybe well, I went one of... zero times. So. Oh, okay. We, I think we went two or th- I think we went twice while we lived there. We were supposed uh, we... to go for your birthday, and that just didn't happen. It got like split into two days because certain people couldn't make it, and like then the, and like I think the tickets got like I think the show got canceled, and we had to move it or something. It was a weird. Something, there was a I weird know, thing. Something like that. I I know I was there for your birthday. I know we mm-hmm. took a walking tour of yep. the area around. We went to Arthur's. Yeah, we went to to knock off Arthur's faux off. Knock off. Yeah, definitely not real Arthur's. Um, got fake hour steak. Mm-hmm. Um, faux steak. Yeah. Well, I was going for the rhyme of fake and steak. But, yeah. Um, we we did drink too much that day, so that's okay. Um, did we go anywhere else other than Arthur's? Or I don't even know. Probably I mean, back there was to the a apartment lot of to drink I more. Remember, I remember getting pretty drunk that night. Yeah, but we I had we had remember we had if, booze at the house. Well, I, was just, I couldn't remember if, if it was after Arthur's if we went somewhere else drinking or if we went back to your apartment and got too drunk there. But uh, we went back. We to walked the right past medieval times. Yeah. So uh, that medieval time. The one one thing that's really funny to me about this, like when they when they go there in the movie, is I was thinking about like, man, like we really didn't. I mean, we had fun. We went there a couple of times while we lived there, but we didn't really like we didn't take advantage of it. And then <laughs> there's this this scene in the movie. He's like, yeah, I come here like twice a week. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, that could have been me. <laughs> nah, too, twice a week is too much. You need to pace yourself a little bit, I think. Yep. Uh, uh, granted, every time we go to the medieval got, times, it's it's cable guy lines all day. I was going to say, like, the fact that they were able to get into full battle armor with yes. multiple weapons, including that ridiculous act with, like, I'm not even entirely sure what that half moon thing at the bottom was. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> He just keeps getting more and more serious and like appreciates that he's beating the shit out of him. I just couldn't like, How many takes must that have been? Like for him to get know, that, that song perfectly done and they sync up the track perfectly. Like, yep. like it wasn't just that he got all the notes right, but he got the cadence right. Yeah, I, know, I know. The other part of that too is I, I, this again came up in the IMDb trivia. It sounded like 
uh, the way Matthew Broderick had responded in some interview questions for it, it sounded like it was like a few 16 hour days of shooting and he's highly allergic to horses. So, <laughs> so admittedly not the best I've never option. even heard of a horse allergy before. That's a first. <laughs> so, it's so ridiculous. Honestly, um, some of the best bits of that scene too was like, Andy Dick is like, Oh no, he's dead serious. You better get out there. Yeah. <laughs> I also like this concept of like he's able to get wherever he wants to go in life because he keeps giving people free cable. Yes. But we find out towards the end of the movie that he hasn't worked with a cable company in a really long time. Which also like that's a really nineteen ninety seven thing where ninety six, whatever it is, where like even though you no longer work from the cable company, you can still install cable. Right. Right. Like, oh man! That just wouldn't fly right now. Like, sure. Right? Yeah, you need like the decoding boxes and all that stuff. But, but yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. so much hardware you wouldn't have access to. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! When he's trying to find, come on, baby, speak to me. Speak to me. He's speak like, to- <laughs> he's like groping like the walls. Yeah, yeah, and uh, rubbing the the circle with his finger. It was just very unsettling. But he's like, that's your sweet spot right there. And uh, when he There's, everything is basically unsettling in this movie. The way he that scene of him clacking away at the remote control in like this weird the weird yeah, way that he's holding like it. The, and the, he's the like chef, I, the salt bay chef, like Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's adjusting like the tip the sharpest all that stuff. It's so funny. I, I I just I love it. He just he really does crack me up. He can do anything, it makes me laugh. But uh what what else you got on under under favorite moments? Well, that was my favorite mo- moment, culminating with the joust. Okay, that basically, fucking kills him. Like, <laughs> I think that uh, probably my absolute favorite one, which I found out after the fact, uh, seems like it was also improv. Which I, I always love that. I always love when something is just so good it has to stay. But when he loses his lisp, Stephen punches him in the face. He goes, <laughs> "Hey, oh my god, oh, my lisp is gone!" And he punches him again. And he goes, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> and the, the 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 thing that I read there was saying that he he just started doing the take, forgetting to implement the lisp that he's had the entire movie. Oh. And in the re in like sometimes when they're doing a take, they'll just like the actors will just kind of reset and do it again. You'll see it, and then they'll they'll take the portion of it that's good. So like in punching him again, he <laughs> he went into like how it's back, which I think, <laughs> which is so good. <laughs> It reminds me of uh, that's that that scene in Christmas Vacation when the uh, when cousin Eddie and his wife and kids come, and uh, one of their grandparents goes, uh, you know, or I guess it was one of the the adults' parents, whatever. Goes, oh, her eyes, they're they're normal. He goes, yep, she fell into a well. Eyes go cross-eyed. She gets kicked by a donkey. They come on uncro- like uncro- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And it's like, oh, he gets punched in the face. Lisp gone. Punched in the face again. It's back. Who the fuck knows? Like, I, don't know. <laughs> I actually like, kind of liked that running joke of, "Hey, I have these solutions to your lisp," and he like yep. just doesn't get it. Like, what are you mm-hmm. talking about? <laughs> well, lisp. <laughs> but I then mean, when I'm, he, but then I'm, when he gives him the tapes and he's like real choked up about it, it's kind of sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well. I expected that to be where it blows up, and he actually takes it sin- like sincerely and like honestly and like appreciates. It. It's like, huh, I was not expecting that honestly in this moment. Um, 
between the medieval times, the basketball game is pretty great. That, it is great. Like slow motion slam. Breaks Thanks the for the boost. What's that? <laughs> Thanks for the boost. Which As- is great <laughs> shit talking. Like, <laughs> um, the, the scene with the party is pretty great. I wondered mm-hmm. whether any of it was kind of like a, like you were talking about improv stuff. The scene, the password like, stuff. What's that? The password stuff. Yeah, and yeah. like the 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 girl like massaging him was re- so ridiculous. I kind of wondered where if it was like the prompt was just, "Hey, do a bunch of ridiculous, over the top, maybe possibly sensual <laughs> stuff." And it's just like, to love. she's like, "No, more no, no. hair." Yeah, and yeah like, it's too much. It's too much. I also oh. i i knew like you have to know right that there's more to that story when he points her him in her direction she's the only girl there who's not yep. 20 years old yep and like she's there's something like not a hundred percent i'll say normal in this case like don't normal that there's something off in the movie context of this character it's like red flag should be going off there yeah and like they hit it off way too quick and i'm waiting for the other shooter drop i'm like so is it his girlfriend and you by next time her like <laughs> is it his sister and like she's doing him a solid like is it just another preferred customer who's so happy with the service that she's no she's a prostitute okay yep. fantastic <laughs> scramby eggs um scramby eggs. <laughs> the uh Oh man, the 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 finale of when he's when he's hanging off the side of the uh, of the satellite dish like before he falls, and Matthew Broderick is trying, Stephen is trying to hold on to him, and he's just like he's still in his own whacked out world, and he's like, "Don't you understand, Stephen? Somebody has to kill the babysitter." <laughs> Well, and like, that's another one of those things where, like, if they leaned more into the whole idea of he was raised by television, that would make sense. Uh, but it felt like a total, like, last minute, like, change to that. Like, th- like it felt like, okay, we'll have the thing that, oh, he's making names based on TV characters be his thing because he watched a lot of TV. Okay. It uh, felt like they had more to do with that and didn't actually do it. Well, there was the whole the whole scene of him being a child. Yeah, I I know, but like, there's it still felt like there was more. Hmm. I don't know. Some some of the some of the weirdness I feel like lies in the mystery of like the rest of his life, which could which could be interesting. Uh, one of my uh, I mentioned a couple of other favorite scenes, but I, again, like this is this is like perfect Jim Carrey because there's no reason for this to play out the way that it does. But the scene where he's in Robin's apartment doing the cable and he she comes on screen and he swings down and out from the attic. There's no reason for the dramatic swing that he makes, but it is perfect. But like that is perfect carry, right? The yeah, is, that's 10 out of 10 stick the landing carry. The, the super close up of him like wiggling his way through the air ducts. <laughs> And actually, on that note, on uh, least favorite moments of the movie, Daddy Longlegs crawling across his face. Didn't need that. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that, actually. Do you have any of those? Anything specifically that really bothered you? Uh, no, not like any one specific scene, I guess. I mean, because a couple of scenes where I was like, really like, ugh, ended up being scenes where 
from a story standpoint, like it made sense. Like the scene where he cuts the cable out and he's actually outside the, like, like that shows the depth of his obsession and what uh-huh. lengths he's willing to go to manipulate him and all that. Um, so like, I'm super annoyed in the moment of like the scene, but like it does totally fit with the story they're trying to tell. So like, I'm like, it's not actually like a least favorite moment, but like some of those cringe, awkward things were too much for me. Like where it's like, mm-hmm. Ugh, come on. Like I, how does one get through this scene? But some of them are so perfect when he's talking to him, like uh, over the scrambled eggs. Like I'm just yeah. like, Oh no, I don't, I don't want this conversation. No. And it's like, yeah. like super important to what's going on. Right. Uh, yeah. Ow. Penis. <laughs> Penis. Penis. Vagina? <laughs> oh, man. Porno Password. Great game. Great game to play with family. That, uh, was, that was actually, you know, if you want to talk about, like, cringe awkward being too much, that was a little too much. It was definitely too much. The uh, I, I seen that's not too much. Also, real real great carry is uh, when uh, Steven and Robin are at the apartment. They're about to watch Sleep This in Seattle. And yes. the cable goes out. And he calls... The cable. I have his number. I'm a preferred customer. He gave me his direct line. He calls him, and immediately there's a knock at the door. <laughs> when he goes to open the door, is there a problem with your therapist? <laughs> it was very like it felt like it was very Edgar Wright, right? And he, yeah, yeah, the because like the, the quick turn to the door from the sound, but the, he's holding the cable right the with like the split end. Yes, and he's like, so you know, he gets he gets him to like, you know, like smooths things over, and he goes to the box and he just flips the switch and turns the cable back on. What's the deal with the cable? Just for dramatic effect. <laughs> you know, that was the type of thing where I wondered whether, you know, sometimes there's like continuity errors in movies. Yeah, and I wondered if that was one of them. And Carrie improv the line and is like. Well, that's a better explanation than anything we could have. Come up with. So, yeah, like, right. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, and now he cuts the cable out. Okay, fine. And now he's holding a cable. Okay, great. And now he's gonna walk back and flip a switch, and it's gonna be back on. And like Jim Carrey is like, but I'm holding the cable. I very clearly ripped out of the room. Mm-hmm. It's like, huh? What are we doing? Yeah, no, yeah. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got you. Uh, there is a, there's one other thing. I actually copied this whole thing from, um, from the trivia section of IMDb. I thought it was kind of funny. So it says, Judd Apatow and Ben Stiller went to South Carolina to meet Jim Carrey while he was shooting Ace Ventura When Nature Calls in 1995. For a few days of creative discussion on the script, at a bar, Carrey came up with the idea of having his character push his, push his chest up against the glass, like in Midnight Express. Uh, and and uh, writing on the napkin, tits on glass. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> Actually, you know, if you want to talk about another, like, one of the favorite scenes, it's when he... Billy! It's when he calls on him in the prison, and he's, like, he's basically acting like a jealous lover. Yeah. But he's pretending to be his lawyer, but he's actually being his obsessive, maybe, best friend. 100%. Ugh. This movie, the movie cracks me up. I just, I could watch him carry all day. He he really, like I said, there's just something about him. Uh, his humor just lands with me. I don't know if it's just like growing up with it or whatnot, but like, I anytime I see him, I already I already smile. Like he's just he's so funny to me. Um, <laughs> do you have any do you have any other notes on this bad boy? Well, I just 
I mean, Carrie is doing a tour de force like performance thing. Like some of it's too much, some uh-huh. of it's exactly right. Um, all of it's ridiculous. Sure. Broderick is him. Like he's fine in some scenes. There's other scenes where, like, I mean, I guess maybe technically you're not supposed to like either character, but if you're going to like more closely align with one or the other, it's the guy who's seems like a regularly like a, like a, or like a relatively like normal dude who's kind of put upon in this situation, and mm-hmm. he's trying to navigate. Well, how do I be nice and also like cut it off with this guy? And right. instead, he ends up like doubling down at times, which makes it harder for him to then walk away. The character I didn't really get in this was the Leslie Mann character. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like she was kind of underwritten and also just kind of there. At yeah, times. I, I actually I, I was I was kind of curious about that too. It it was just like a device to yeah. for him to be on his own, but like it almost seems like. There wasn't, there wasn't the only, like, the, the main portion of it being, like, the Steven character is in love with Robin, and maybe it makes it, like, so more realistic that uh, he'd be, like, going out to save her life at the end of the movie. But, like, other otherwise, the rest of the setup of there, like, it's just, like, he's on his own. I guess, I mean, there's some fun stuff of, like, um, of, of Chip trying to, like, help them with their relationship things like that which is funny but like otherwise yeah you're i agree with you i feel like the character doesn't really have much written there yeah which is interesting i just it's funny too because like apatow is her husband like i I guess maybe they weren't married at that time no i think they i think they met on the set Okay. Because Um, like they obviously worked together a bunch of times, so I wasn't sure exactly what the the starting point of that was, and what was just like a continuation of, hey, my wife is going to work on this movie. Um, It just felt like it's it's it is odd. I agree, but honestly, it's it almost goes the same way for like any of the like everybody. It's like there's the there's Stephen and Chip, and everybody else is is like I mean they're supporting characters, but they almost seem all like cameos because it almost feels like a two man show. Yeah, and like there's like some of that other stuff could happen as like voiceover off screen in a weird way, like because it's like it's very it almost seems like a like a stage play with just like these two characters interacting with each other. Yeah, which ends up being a lot of the best stuff. Like ultimately, like mm-hmm. and maybe some of it was tensions flaring or whatever, but like they do ultimately have pretty good rapport. Yeah, um, it's funny you mentioned the thing about like no matter who you're talking about, they all feel like like guest stars. Like even Jack Black who's supposed to play his best friend. All right. Feels like he's barely in the movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, Jack Black's in this, too. <laughs> that's, what it feels, yeah. that's what it seems like. I mean, like, the, the basketball scene he, was pretty great. Like, yes. Just him totally laying out, like, the whole thing with, yeah, the, the, the thing about the boost where he climbs up his back. Is like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. So it's a, it's a silly one for sure. I'd, uh, I will happily do more Carrie films going forward. Anything else on this one? No, I don't think so. I just, it was definitely weird. It was (laughs) fun. I wonder if someone else had been cast in the Broderick role, if I would have enjoyed it more. I wonder if... I'd be curious about that. Jim Carrey had done some slightly different choices if I had enjoyed it more. Just, there was times where, like, the tone just felt totally inconsistent from, like, scene to scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's it is I un- totally understand where you're coming from with that. Part of me wonders if that is more by design than it seems. Um, 
the, the, movie, the might... movie is definitely like met, I feel like meant to throw you off. Oh, for sure. You're meant to be uncomfortable, which is a stellar, uh, a stellar classic. It's yeah. something that Apatow often gets involved with. I do wonder if the combination of the rewritten slash worked script and I don't, was this Stiller's first real directing? I think. I think so. Yeah. So those combinations may have made for it being a more rough production, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, anyway, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in a Six at thespintune.com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm Al Bilsey. Thanks for coming out. Yeah.